The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the Marty McFly and Doc Brown of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and thrilled to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I am one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who brings the gigawatts of energy to this podcast. Josh, how are you doing? I wish I had gigawatts of energy today, but I have just regular watts of energy and a phone going off in the middle <laughs> of me talking. You know, we're a couple of weeks removed from the last time we recorded. It would make sense that we're out of practice, that we're... <laughs> that's, that's William Markowitz, by the way. Oh, perfect. <laughs> William is part of the show, even when he isn't here. Yep. So, <laughs> but yeah, so last week's episode was a bit of a... You know, kind of a more evergreenish episode, not so focused on timeliness, if you would. So we're back to it. We're back to the old salt mines, if you would, recording some episodes. How was your vacation, sir? It was uh, stressful at the beginning and then too short at the end. So it was great. <laughs> <laughs> stressful and short. That sounds like the perfect vacation. Yeah. No, it was nice. It was, you know, I don't, I don't know about everybody else, but. The first day, like you're unpacking, and it doesn't really feel like much of a vacation day. Mm-hmm. It kind of feels like a waste of a day. And then, you know, we went to the beach, so it was like the perfect weather. So the beach was mob. We didn't have anywhere to park. Too many people came up with us the first day we got there. So it was just a uh, logistical nightmare trying to get everyone in and find parking and pay for parking and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, after the weekend was over, parking was ample, and we had great weather. It didn't rain. Well, it sprinkled once while we were on the beach, but that was fine. You know, we got some great waves. Uh, it was awesome. We had a great time. Played some board games, spent some time with family. I can't complain. That's that's pretty good. That's excellent. Yeah. I didn't go anywhere cool. I just stayed home and did stuff. By Sometimes stay home. Okay. By stay home, I mean I, I went to work every day like I do as normal. So oh, that's not a vacation at all. No, I wasn't on vacation. I know you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, was, it was fine. It was fine. The it was very hot here for a few yeah. days, but that has broken and passed at this point, which is pretty spectacular because the last couple of days have been absolutely stunning. Yes, that's good. Yeah, the day we came back from vacation from the beach into the city, mm-hmm. it was a hundred degrees in the city when we came back with yeah. about 85% humidity. So it yeah. was like, it felt like 150 degrees. <laughs> yeah. That was, it, that's what we were running for a few days at the end there. And it was getting rough. That is, that is for sure. I know it's really hot out when my dogs don't want to go outside. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> they go out to go to the bathroom and usually they want to spend all the time they can outside. And when they peace out and say, Nope, let me back in the air conditioning. <laughs> I know it is very warm outside. So, hey, transitioning very briefly, mm. uh, Marty McFly and Doc Brown. Yes. So I had a conversation at work the other day, and that's what 
inspired this duo. Would you say that Back to the Future, backing up, I'm assuming you've seen Back to the Future. Yes, I have seen that. When was the last time you saw Back to the Future? Oh, it hasn't been that. It hasn't been too long. I would say probably two years ago. So okay, like the most recent. So it's been quite a while for me. Probably six years since I've seen Back to the Future. Okay, been quite a while. But would you say? Because I have coworkers who have never seen the movie. Wow. Would you say that Back to the Future is a classic? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like. Not just a classic of the 80s, but in the entire history of film, would you say Back to the Future is considered a classic in that context? Yeah, it's a, it's a must-see film. It is influential to future uh, and current cultures. cultures. <laughs> it inspired a lot of things after the movie came out. Um, right. Things that if people haven't seen the movie, they might be shocked to, to find out and notice. Right. Yeah, I. that's kind of the same boat I was on and a couple other people were on. But then someone I work with very much was saying that Back to the Future is the most overrated movie, basically, of all time. Mm, I could probably find uh, 20 overrated movies in, the, <laughs> in a 20-minute conversation with you that are way more overrated than Back yeah. to the Future. <laughs> so, but anyway, Back to the Future. It, but it made me want to watch it again, and I just haven't seen that movie in so long. So It holds up. It's a classic for that reason too. You can just watch it and and there's like maybe one cheesy CGI scene, but everything else is practical effects, so it holds up. Excellent. So I'll have to put that on the on the list here, the short list to get back to again soon. And maybe towards the end we have some listener questions that kind of gear towards movies a little bit. So maybe we'll take it a minute or two to talk about San Diego Comic Con stuff at that point as well. But until then, hey. Let's get to the podcast. And thanks so much for joining us this week, everyone. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, suggested topics, hit us up at Board with VG on Twitter or check out all the awesome stuff over on the Instagram, also Board with VG. We are a proud part of PSVG, and PSVG is on Patreon. We are thrilled with the support you've given us there thus far. And if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, you can find us at patreon.com slash PSVG. But the most important thing is just that you listen. And maybe share a podcast with someone else who you think might enjoy it as well. As a quick aside, I do want to give a big thanks to those who are at the producer level over on Patreon. Coach Hulk, Edwin Kahlo, Barry Cathcart, Josh Barboni, Chris M., Devin Tyus, Paul Calico, Benny Liu, and Joel Voss, Professor Switch himself. Thank you so much for chipping us a few dollars to help make all of this stuff possible. And we are also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Network. So if you enjoy our conversations about board games... I would like to dive deeper into that world. We encourage you to check out the Dice Hour podcast as well as all the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that is right for you. So enough with the housekeeping, Josh, you're on vacation and you played some tabletop games on those vaca- on that vacation. Why don't you tell us about them? I did. I played some tabletop games. I brought more than we played, which was interesting. Usually that doesn't happen. Usually we play everything. But uh, we had, so we had um, a young visitor, uh, I want to say five-year-old girl, come with my cousin and his girlfriend, uh, who was the mother of said child. So we played um, Disney Color Brain, which is a game we bought, uh, my wife wanted to get, um, to bring. Uh, Disney Color Brain is essentially, if you've seen the game Pantone, uh, it's very similar 
Um, you can find this game at where did I buy it? Target. Uh, essentially, what it is is you have teams, and you can have up to four teams, but you can play as many people as you want. You know, just splitting them up into teams, and you get nine colors like pink, blue, green, red, orange, black, white, purple, whatever the colors are. <clears throat> and then each team has those colors. And then you flip, uh, there's a stack of cards in the middle of the table. You flip one over and it will say like um, the color of Maleficent's fire, one color. And then everyone secretly picks the color they think it is. They place their cards down and then when they, they reveal it, if it's a tie, nobody gets points. If obviously they're both wrong, nobody gets points and the points carry over. Um, so I think we went one round, it was like a five point answer. Um, there's some surprising like questions. Like I, I know a lot of Disney, but there's some like really tricky questions in there. Even like the, um, the color of, I can't remember the name, but, um, the Nathan Fillion plays a monster monsters university, the color of their frat t-shirts, two colors. And we're like, uh, <laughs> but it doesn't tell you that. It just says, um, what are the colors of the Psy, whatever, Gamma jersey, like shirts? And it just tells you the movie. It doesn't actually tell you more details. <coughs> Excuse me. So, uh, yeah, it was it, it was a little hectic and playing with a younger kid. Um, it was maybe a little frustrating because she would just be like naming two colors. She just grabbed two colors. I'm like, it's this and this. You're supposed to keep them secret. She'd say it out loud. It's pink and black. And you're like, no, no, don't do that. <laughs> so we tried to have fun with it. Um, but if anyone has maybe older kids, maybe like eight, it's probably eight plus for ages. Um, it's a fun game. You know, it's it was like 15 bucks at Target. They probably have it at Walmart too. Um, so it wasn't bad. I would, try, I would definitely want to try it again. Maybe at like a family event, like Christmas or Thanksgiving or something. Have you ever played Disney Code Names? Yes. Is it similar in the sense because it sounded like for the a lot of it is pretty straightforward, but there are those. There's always some things that it's asking or some very tricky questions. Because mm-hmm. kind of like Disney Code Names surprised me with how challenging it was. Yeah. Is it kind of on that same thing where? For the most part, it's straightforward and the bulk of it you're going to get, but there's going to be a solid, you know, quarter of the game or something, maybe not quite that much, that's very challenging that you really have to be up on your Disney knowledge to be able to know. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely, it's, I mean, there's a, I think from my experience, there's probably just as many hard ones as there are easy ones. Oh, okay. Um, What was I just, I was thinking of something. It was like um, the color of the shirt of one of the bad guys in Lilo and Stitch. You're like, what? <laughs> okay. So it was, was there's some very tricky, and someone got it. Like they knew it, but I did. Like I didn't. So I think it also, uh, if you have like a very uh, a photogenic memory, that mm-hmm. might help you as well. But um, yeah, there's some Disney tropes though. Like if there's a villain question and a color that's associated with a villain, you're probably pretty good guessing green. Uh, that seems <laughs> to be like a trend in Disney. So that is, yeah. Um, there's some things, but yeah, yeah, I would say it's definitely challenging. So if you feel like you're Disney file and you want to challenge yourself, that definitely would be a fun game to try as well. Awesome. Uh, we played just one, which is a game I picked up to bring with us. 
So I get something in my throat and I keep drinking water and it's not getting rid of it. <laughs> so just one is a game where everyone gets a uh, a white board or easel almost uh, thing and a, and a dry erase board, uh, marker, uh, each of different colors. You play as a group. You want to, it's kind of like um, the mind where you like, the, like you want to get a, a score for everybody that plays. And basically they tell you like, if you only got this money correct, you are terrible. <laughs> There's room for growth. Uh, and, and what you do is you play over a certain amount of rounds, um, and each person gets a turn. You start with the first player, and they they draw a card. They don't look at it. There's five uh, words on the card, and they pick a number, one, two, three, four, or five. <clears throat> so say I pick three, and it was uh, something like pizza. So now everyone else, without talking to each other or showing each other what they're writing, is they need to write just one word that they think will get the person to guess what their word is. But if you write something too obvious, you run the risk of everyone else writing the same thing as you. Or if you write something too obscure, the person guessing might not be able to guess it. Uh, and that's pretty much how the game plays. Uh, we had some rounds where... Three out of the five people wrote the same thing down. We had some rounds where no one wrote the same thing down. Um, and that's how the game plays. Uh, it's pretty simple. It can be fun. It isn't necessarily fun, uh, depending on who you play with. So um, I enjoyed it. It's a good party game. Uh, it's it's probably a really good icebreaker game if you're looking to get a like a game night going or even mm-hmm. like a social gathering going. Uh, it would be very uh, a very fun game. So where would this rank then in party games for you? You would pull this out after what? Oh, after uh, this would be something like after dinner before dessert. If it's at a like a at, at a function, I don't know if there's a game I would pull this out after. I would probably want to start with this. So okay, and try. I'll try to clarify my question better. As far as your favorite party games go. Oh, 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 where uh, is this on the hierarchy? Is it even on the hierarchy? No, it's not in my top ten. Oh, okay, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> um, maybe I just didn't play with the right group. That's also <laughs> possible. Um, yeah, it was fine. It's okay. not, you know, it, it's just, it's okay. <laughs> That's really interesting to hear you say that. Yeah, That's we'll get into that. We're gonna later. talk about later. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get into that later. Uh, we played Jaws. Uh, Rich, so I know when I play games with my wife, like we sit down and we learn the rules as we play. Um, that's a, just a thing we do. We mm-hmm. play Jaws with my, my my parents, and it was just my parents and my wife and I. This was like the, the first night that everyone left at the beach house and it was just us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I watched, I had them watch Game the Game how to play first and it took my dad like right out of the game right away he's like there's way too much i don't know what i'm doing he was very frustrated right from the start and he was hesitant to ask questions because he felt like he had so many which really bummed me out mm-hmm. um but after we played he said oh that wasn't so bad so it, it was one of those juggling acts where i felt like it's a game that you need to get played before you introduce to a group, but there has to be a group you play with. So there has to be that group. Right. <laughs> if that makes sense. 
this is the B team, so I'll play it with them. So when I play it with the A team, it'll go real well. Yeah. Well, I mean, the next time I play it, it'll go way better. But yeah. Right, right, right. I mean, anyways. So, Jaws the game. Uh, I really enjoyed this game. I played the shark because I got to choose who was the shark, and I picked me because why not? Was it baby shark? <laughs> it was not a baby shark. My son okay, was just checking. Okay. <laughs> um, Jaws the game. It's actually um, this explained a lot more simple than the game is. I would say. Uh, I don't know that the game is really very challenging in the rules though i think it's overwhelming for people like my parents who don't play heavy games this is not a heavy game um, but heavier games than what they play someone plays a shark three other people if you're playing four players if you're not people have to split up their roles uh play brody hooper and quint if you know jaws the movie then you know those characters uh certain characters have certain things they can do uh, Quint and Hooper are on boats. Brody is on the island of Amityville. And what you're doing is trying to track down the shark before he eats swimmers. The shark has one goal in the first act. Eat swimmers and evade capture. That's all you got to do. As soon as the shark eats nine swimmers, nine or ten, the act one immediately ends. Or as soon as you tag two barrels to the shark, act one ends, no matter how many people the shark has eaten. When you go into the second round, you get cards based on how many uh, people were eaten. So the shark gets more shark like special attack cards, the more swimmers they eat, and the crew get less crew weapons, the more swimmers sharks eat. So you're motivated to find the shark. It's hidden movement, so when the shark's moving, you don't know where the shark is in the first act, which if you played any game, like games like Fury of Dracula or anything like that, uh, you, you'll pretty much pick that up right away. In the second round, you're on the orca. The crew's on the orca. The shark is swimming around the orca, trying to either eat the crew or sink the orca. And once again, it's a pretty simple concept. You, uh, If you're the crew, you're trying to guess uh, out of three possible areas on the boat where the shark is going to attack by firing a weapon into that quadrant using... It's not a quadrant because there's eight squares. <laughs> that section, uh, you can use um, like uh, close quarters weapons, but you have to be uh, adjacent to or on that area. Uh, ranged weapons can target any area on the boat as far no matter how far away you are. And that's it. You're just trying to put damage on the shark. Um, there's a lot of a strategy does get into it. This, this game is very, um, heavily focused on cooperative strategy. Uh, you're not going to win if you're not working with your team, uh, that, and that really makes it challenging for the shark. Um, there, you have hit points at the end. Uh, the, sh it, the shark seems like it has a lot of hit points, but once you start taking damage, uh, those hit points drop fast because you also have potentially three people attacking you mm -hmm. uh, per turn. Uh, there are dice you roll for attacks. Uh, there's shark ability cards that add fun, interesting bonuses. Um, you can attach a flare to the shark that keeps giving it damage. You can do a bunch of different things. I didn't get to see all the crew cards because they only got three, which was nice for me. But then ultimately, uh, I was defeated and they did kill the shark. So 
I lost. So what I've heard about this game and just reading about it is that it it seems very, maybe very still the wrong word, but it, it seems like people have indicated that the first round seems very heavily in the shark's favor. And then the second round when you're on the boat seems more heavily in favor of the crew. Does that yes. seem accurate in your playing? That is accurate. Um, there were points in the first act, though, where um, closer to the end, I was noticing that they were they were doing a good job of tracking me. But, uh, my wife did a really a surprisingly very good job at figuring out where I was. Um, I told her, I, was, I, I said, I don't want this to sound weird or condescending, but I'm like really proud of you. You're doing an awesome job at like figuring out. I was very surprised. Like I thought I was being really sneaky. Yeah, and she's it, like, it, he has to be here. And I was like, how does she know this? That came across <laughs> very much as I'm really yeah. surprised my wife did so well. That <laughs> yeah. came across. I knew how it came. Well, yeah, I knew how it came across, but I, I meant it as a compliment. Um, if it was anybody, I would have said the same thing. But uh, yeah, there were definitely points where I I was kind of trapped. They had motion sensors all around me near the end. So uh, if they if you play that round right. Um, I think the balance, there's more of a balance in the first act than in the second act. The second okay. act, it's like definitely more of a challenge for the shark because you're fighting three people at the same time instead of evading them. Gotcha. So did you yeah. enjoy it though? It was great. I, re- I really enjoyed it. I can't wait to play it again. Uh, I think they did a great job with it. Uh, it's nice to see a licensed game not be bad. I think we're seeing more of that now, which Agreed. is nice. Uh, and then the last game we played was Meeple Circus. Uh, this was a game I really wanted to get to the table. This was a game that my mother got frustrated with at the beginning when we were going through the rules. So uh, there was frustration all over the place. Uh, once again, it was it was one of those games that became less frustrating the more we played. Uh, Meeple Circus is a dexterity game. Uh, you are uh, performing a circus act. You have two rehearsals before the big show and... You are drafting um, uh, meeples and animals uh, and objects to try to match victory point cards that uh, change over the rounds and get victory points, which change per round. Um, And then the final act is uh, usually when you play, everyone's doing it at the same time and it's timed. The final act, everyone's doing it. Like one person goes and everyone watches. So it kind of adds a little bit of pressure. Uh, you also get a, uh, I would call it a hindrance card in the final act. Like my dad picked a card where he can only use one hand to stack things. And my mother got one where she had to clap every time she placed someone. And <laughs> I got one that was like, every time I place an animal meeple onto a human meeple, I have to say, oh, ouch, every time I do that. Um, so there's fun stuff like that at the, in the last act, but uh, <laughs> to keep it simple and short, Maple Circus is a fun stacking dexterity game um, that if you can get it, I get it for 35 bucks on Amazon. If you can get it under 40, it's a great uh, purchase and it was fun. Easy recommendation for the price. What did you not get to play that you were hoping to? Uh, we didn't get to play Gravity Warfare. <clears throat> And we didn't get to play Sagrada with the five to six player expansion. Okay. And I brought Century Gollum edition because I wanted to play that. We also did not play that. <laughs> so excited about the next installment yes. of that, <laughs> which is ordered. Anyway, any other board game things you'd like to chat about? 
That's it for me, my friend. Awesome. So, remind me, have we ever talked about Castles of Burgundy on this podcast? No. Uh, It might have come up in a reference to something, but we even talked about the game. Okay. So, had the opportunity, got back in, played some Castles of Burgundy. Uh, If you're not familiar, it is a worker placement game, I guess, would be the best kind of way to put it. That's not really even accurate. It is a dice rolling set collection game, I think, with some tile placement would be a better way to put it. Uh, It is a Steffen Feld game, so you get points for basically everything that you do. And it is... Most people consider it to be the best Steffenfeld game. It definitely is very highly rated. I think it's in the top 15 or so on board Game Geek. It's definitely up there. And I had played this game many, many moon ago, but I had not played it in a while. And when getting together with our board game group, they had gotten it. So we went ahead, busted it out, and played some Castles of Burgundy. Very, as a very brief overview of the play, is on at the beginning there's five phases of the game and there's five rounds in each phase or vice versa however you want to look at it but uh so you at the beginning of each um, phase you around you roll your dice and you're you have two dice everyone rolls at the same time and then that is the actions that you're going to take on your turn are represented by the numbers on the dice so everything on your player board and everything on the center board all have numbers associated with them and basically what you're trying to do on your player board is build out your kingdom. So you're, you start when you play the basic rules, you start with a kingdom in the center and then you're building out, you know, you can get um, animals, you can get towns, you can get boats, you can get all these things to kind of build out your town, but they're all color coordinated. So you can only put boats on blue spots, but then the blue spot will have a five on it. So you have to have, you know, number one, you could use one dice to buy a building from the main board. So if you rolled a three, you could look at all of the things that are in the three pile and buy one of the buildings from there and put it in your reserve. And then if you had the five dice, you could use that five to take the thing from your reserve and put it onto your player board. That essentially is what you are doing all the time in this game. There's about, I think there's only like four main actions. You can take pieces from the center board so you can purchase buildings. You can place buildings Um, from your reserve onto your kingdom you can ship goods and you can change dice in for workers and what workers do allow you to change the number of the die by plus one or minus one so if you have workers and once you use them they go away and you can adjust the roll of your die that is all you are doing on your turn that is it but it's then balancing all the things of say you are really focusing on farming okay well the first time you put down a farming car a farming disc say there's two pigs on it And then the next time you get a farming car, so you get two points for that. And then the next time you put down one in the same pasture, there's four pigs on it. Well, now you score the four plus the two. So now you have six points. And then you have to, when you're building out the cities, you can't have the same type of building in in any same quadrant of the city that's touching. So there's a lot of trying to then figure out exactly what am I going to take? When am I going to take it? And then you're also rolling for player turns. So when you play boats, it allows you to move up the player turn track. But sometimes going earlier isn't always better. So it's this really very simple roll your dice, do two things. That's all you do. But then there's just a lot of complexity as far as what all of those things possibly could do and how all of those things score because you get points for everything and trying to figure out, okay, what am I going to do versus what is my the next player going to do and if they move ahead of me can i do the next thing i want to am i still gonna be the first player at the end of all this to go first so there's a lot of complication to it and in general 
in general, I forgot how much I enjoy this game because I think it is almost the epitome of very simple to teach. Roll your dice, do two things. But the complexity of the decisions you need to make and the impact of while I might not be directly interacting with players by taking pieces that they want or looking at, oh, they're working on focusing on X type of animals. So potentially I can take that away from them. Or, oh, if I look at they're almost done filling this color of building on their board, I'm going to take the last one so they can't do that. So you're not directly interacting, but you have to kind of pay attention to what everyone else is doing and still try to do your own thing, but also not let other people get too far ahead. Uh, To give an example of this being a point salad game, I think uh, my partner won and she had 200 and some points. I don't remember. It was a lot of points. But if you figure, you know, you put down a tile and you get two points. Well, (laughs) that obviously adds up over the course of the rounds (laughs) to finish with 220, 230 points in the game. (laughs) So, yeah, I really enjoy Castles of Burgundy. In general, I like Steffenfeld games. And I think this is probably his strongest design. I really... I might like Trajan better, which I know may not be the popular opinion. But overall, Castles of Burgundy, if you're looking for that next style or next level, I I always kind of classify it as a Euro just because of the complexity of decisions that you need to make and that your dice kind of serve like workers. But I guess it technically isn't a worker placement game. But I kind of feel like I feel the same brain burn when I'm playing that that I do from playing a really heavy Euro. Okay. So... Yeah, have you ever played Castles of Burgundy? I haven't, no. Oh, it is. yeah, I definitely recommend it. It is a good game. It is definitely a game that... It says 30 to 90 minutes, I think, on the box. That is for people who maybe know exactly how to play the yeah. game all the time, and you can be done in 90 <laughs> minutes. Uh, the first time you play it, especially if you play it with four people and you're kind of figuring it out, it might take you three hours. It, <laughs> it's not... Yeah, it, like I said, it's not... It is yeah. not a simple game by any stretch of the imagination. So I think the time on the boxes is pretty off personally but yeah uh, i really enjoy castle of burgundy i think it is one of those especially if you're starting to build out a, a board game collection and you decide that this is a hobby you really want to participate in i hesitate to say it's a must own but i would strongly 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 encourage having it a part of someone's collection so nice yeah all right that was all i played on my tabletop sir what have you been playing on your television well to continue with the vacation. Uh, oh my. I hope when you're listening to this, I didn't just make you yawn. Uh, I bought, before we went on vacation, I bought Jackbox Party Pack 3 for the Switch because it was on sale, I believe, like half price or something like that. Um, just because I wanted an option for like the nights where people don't want to sit down at the table and kind of sit on the couch and the chairs and just relax. <clears throat> so the first night, we were up, there was, geez, one, two, three, there was like seven, eight, nine of us. There were nine of us up there. So I said, all right, let's, uh, let's, let's boot up Party Pack 3 and see what's on here and play it. And we ended up playing each game on there at least twice, if not more. Every, it was a huge hit. Um, I wish I could tell you all the games around there. Fibbage was one of the big winners, like where you're making up a lie that you're trying to get people to guess. Uh, Quiplash, I believe, was on that one. Uh, but it, it was so popular that the next day they uh, asked me to buy another one. So we ended up buying Jackbox Party Pack, which has You Don't Know Jack in it, which was also on sale. Um, so the first two nights of vacation, we played 
pretty much exclusively Jackbox games um, at night during the day when there was like some downtime, just pretty much constantly. Um, and if people don't know, the best part of Jackbox Party Pack is once you buy the basic the base game, uh, anyone can play as long as they have a cell phone or a tablet. You just go to jackbox.tv and you enter the code that's on the screen and it, it works very well. We only had a couple hiccups where sometimes the uh, inputs didn't take, like someone had to pick something and it didn't go through in time. Um, but for the most part, it worked very well. Uh, people was, were laughing. We were having a great time. Uh, it was very fun. So those are, if they're still on sale, uh, if you have a large group of people or people who play uh, over the internet, it's a good recommendation. It's tough to recommend for one or two players. Um, but anything above, and, and honestly, we played some of those games. We played with like eight or nine people with four and it was less fun. So the more, the better. I would agree with that. Jackbox is one of those, I don't want to say hidden treasures or hidden gems because I, I feel like a lot of people know about it, but I definitely don't think it gets the recognition it deserves. Yeah, I don't think people play it as much as they've been are aware of it. Right. Uh, it's definitely like anytime you're at a social gathering, if you have your Switch, you can just literally bring it and hook it up to a TV, and any, anyone in the room can play for the most part. Some mm-hmm. games have like player restrictions, um, but for the most part, there's a large amount of player possibilities. Indeed. So those are very uh, easy recommendations. Also, while I was on the beach, uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 released. Uh, I wasn't going to buy it while I was on vacation, but I did. And I played a little bit while I was uh, there. And I played a little bit since I've been back. Um, But I haven't played too much of it yet. What's a little bit? Uh, I just got to the part where I unlocked like the first big chunk of new characters. Okay. So not not very far. Gotcha. Um, to the part where I can probably play co-op now because I tried playing with Lucas and I couldn't even play co-op. <laughs> I was like, okay, I guess I'll play a little bit more. Um, so I got to that part where like you run into more people and you and then it's, it's kind of like Smash Brothers, like blah. So I don't want to spoil anything for people who might might want to be surprised, but like this person's available, this person's available. Uh, yeah. So, it was pretty funny to see that happen. Like all of a sudden you're like, Hey, here's 15 characters. You can play this all at once. (laughs) It is very quick that you go from four to 12 or whatever it is very quickly (laughs) and very, very jarringly. Hey, switch up your team. Uh, Okay. To who? And level people up. Right. But who? Yeah. But but I'm enjoying it very much so far. The controls are pretty much good. Uh, There was a few camera issues I ran into. Um, but that's not uncommon in games like this. Uh, it's to be expected. Uh, it definitely has that Ultimate Alliance uh, feel. So, uh, yeah, if you like Ultimate Alliance or Ultimate Alliance 2, this will feel comfortable to you. Um, and I like the art style. Um, combat's pretty good. I haven't had any issues with controls or fluidity in the gameplay. So I've been enjoying that. And <laughs> the day before I left for vacation... <laughs> I bought A Plague Tale Innocence uh, on the Xbox, and I started playing that. I also only put in probably a couple hours uh, into that game. Um, I haven't picked it back up since I got back, only because I've been extremely tired, and it was 
<laughs> two days in a row with 100 degree heat with no air conditioning doesn't really make you want to do anything. Um, but from what I played, I can tell you the game is uh, stunningly beautiful. Uh, I could just have said stunning. The game is stunning. <laughs> it is also beautiful. Um, it is a sight to be seen. Uh, they did an incredible job with how the game looks. The controls are great. The story is engaging so far, at least right away it was to me. Um, uh, I really felt like this is a story that like was taken out of a book or a movie. Like It feels very um, well-constructed. And the voice acting is pretty good. I don't know that I've run into any issues with the voice acting. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm glad I got it, and I'm glad I got it on sale. Um, not that I would. I, I I would be happy to pay full price for it. Like so far, with my experience, um, and I look forward to talking about it more and playing it more, and those are my games. Awesome. So I would kind of go in reverse order because why not you? Got a Plague Tale Innocence, which means I got a Plague Tale Innocence. And I also started it. But in addition to starting it, I have also finished it. Whoa. I have completed the game. That's what I was just looking up. Uh, it took me a little over seven hours. So okay. It's not, so it's... not super long. Sure. But this game is pretty darn wonderful. I will put it that way. It very atmospheric, very moody, very cool types of characters that you typically don't get to play as in games mm -hmm. telling really interesting, unique stories. And it definitely has some rough edges, but for when it's all is said and done for the price of the game and for the size of the studio that made it. And for all of that stuff, this game is really impressive. It is gorgeous. It looks absolutely stunning on Xbox one X with HDR. <laughs> it, it is a great implementation of that um the story like you said starts off very interesting the, for me there was definitely a bit of predictability and a bit of a dip at some points but overall it kept moving along it kept being interesting even if i had an idea maybe of where it was going it was still something that i found interesting as someone who is not much of a stealth gamer i don't usually appreciate stealth in games i found the stealth in this to be very fitting yeah if it, it fit what was happening and it wasn't overly complicated or burdensome wow i was struggling there it wasn't <laughs> over oh they weren't making it more complicated than it should have been and they do a nice job of adding new things to your inventory as you go to make the puzzle solving kind of that you have to do more interesting as it happens um once you get towards the end there's a couple parts where I felt maybe exactly what you needed to do wasn't super, super clear. But then when I figured it out, I said, wow, I was making this way more complicated than it needed to be because this was mechanics I was taught three or four hours ago. But for whatever reason, when they were presented right in front of my face, I just didn't think to do it. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it was kind of not the game's fault. I think it was just me being trying to think that this was going to be more complicated than it was. It was very straightforward for a lot of it. But I enjoyed my time with this right now. You know, we, you and I both got asked to kind of, you know, pick three. I think Lucas is the one who started this pick three backlog games yeah. that we wanted to finish this year. We didn't own this game at that point. <laughs> Otherwise this would have been on the backlog. So I thought about just adding it, even though I had didn't own it yet. Cause I figured it was going to get played, 
but also, you know, just last week we talked about our top five games of the year. Had I finished this in time for that episode, this would have been on my top five list at this point. Nice. So really enjoyed a play tale innocence. I highly encourage you if you have the opportunity to play it, play it. Uh, it does some really cool things. And I think for that studio, which I think is a Sobo, um, definitely a, a awesome entry for them into um, what is ostensibly a double A game, which we don't get a lot of anymore. And yeah. it's it's well done. Uh, I also picked up Mua 3, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. And I'm not very far. I'm a little farther than you are. I haven't been playing for a ton of time, mostly because anytime I wanted to play something, I was either doing Overwatch's summer events or playing a Black Tale <laughs> Innocence. But I like the game. <laughs> but the entire time I'm playing, I'll, and I don't know why I'm doing this, while I'm playing... I can't stop thinking about how there are other games on this system who do this gameplay way better, <laughs> i.e. Diablo. It, oh, it, sure. You yeah. know, it, it, and is it fair to compare a game to the, you know, best game of that style in that genre? Probably not. But that game is also available on this system. Yeah. So, yeah, it's I'm going to I'm not going to give it a full review. I'm going to continue <laughs> to play it. So far, though, I feel underwhelmed, I will say. Gotcha. By my experience with it. I think the characters are cool. I think it sometimes is trying too hard to fit into um, what we know and what Marvel kind of has become to us. And I think having the art style being as different as it is is helpful that the characters don't look necessarily like MCU versions of these characters. Yeah, but I feel like many of the voice actors are taking cues from that and trying to make line delivery and all that stuff feel fitting to that. And unfortunately, whether it's the writing or which trying to write a game like this has to be darn near impossible. Yeah. I can't imagine trying to write this style of game, but it, it kind everything kind of has fallen really flat for me as far as all of that, who the characters are, how they interact with each other, the one-liners and try to funnies they try to do. I have on all of that, I've struggled to find any of that to be remotely engaging at all. <laughs> so so we'll see. Like I said, I'll keep playing it. Uh, I just, every time I sit down to play something, there are other things I prefer to play at this point rather than sure. that. So I've only played it handheld. Uh, I do want to try to play it on the big screen. Maybe that will make a difference. Mm. So, and finally, you know, a few weeks ago, maybe even a few months ago at this point, Donnie in our Discord had made a comment about how challenging it was to find peripherals for Rock Band 4 anymore. Yeah. And he showed some pictures of prices on eBay and Amazon and things like that. I couldn't believe that it was actually that expensive. So I went and looked myself. And yep, trying to find peripherals is really hard. Went and tried, tried like Craigslist and all that good stuff in the area. And nobody had anything. So then I started hemming and hawing, thinking, you know what? Maybe I'll sell mine because I have a Rock Band 4 guitar. I have Rock Band 4 for PS4. Maybe maybe I'll sell mine, make a good little profit off of it. I do think it's really interesting that they're still releasing songs regularly. And they have basically seasons of competition in it. But you can't. But they're not producing the peripheral yeah, you can't anymore. Buy any, any so you, yeah, it, I find that very odd that you go to their website and 
you go to Harmonix's website for Rock Band and there's links to buy the game. And then when you click on the link to buy the guitar, it takes you to the Amazon page where people are selling used ver- used guitars <laughs> for $190. You know, so something just doesn't feel good about that to me, which I understand too, though I can't imagine those are super cheap to manufacture. But if you're not selling the peripheral anymore, <laughs> it just seems odd. Anyway. So <laughs> long story short, I was going to, I was thinking about selling it, but I said, before I sell this, I'm going to install download rock band Four one last time, play a few songs. And my gosh, Josh, did I fall back in hard? Yeah. Oh my gosh. This game is so fun. I love it. Now band. I feel bad because way back when I got this game, my partner said, Hey, you should get a second guitar so we can play together. And I said, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll do that, I'll do that, I'll do that. <laughs> and then moved on to other games, moved on to other games, you know, and just recently, it actually was about the time Donnie had mentioned how expensive guitars were. She's like, she mentioned, hey, did you ever, to, we should maybe look at getting guitar, another guitar again so we could do some rock band stuff. We haven't done that in a while. And I went, oh, man. So I've been, I'm now on a hunt to try to find a reasonably priced rock band for peripheral. We have a really small mom and pop type gaming store close to me and i went there just to see by chance if they had one and they didn't i went to my local game stops just to see if they you know by chance had one lying around because they didn't say they had any on the website but i figured why not i was in the area they didn't either um, and it's interesting because all of them said that not a lot but multiple a couple people a month or so will come in asking for one to see if they can get them so there clearly is still a market but i don't think it's a big enough market probably to justify producing new guitars again yeah when when we did our spring cleaning last year i threw out five guitars and drums and microphones not realizing if i had just hung on to them i had to get rid of them for space like as much as i wanted to keep them i had like the guitar hero world tour guitar Mm -hmm. i had two of the wireless ones i had two of the regular rock band ones, the drums, right. all that stuff. We bought the little extra snare things that go on the drums to so, like quiet them. Mm-hmm. And I just like, I can't keep holding on to these forever. And I tossed them and like, it wasn't, it wasn't too long ago that I got that same regret of like realizing how expensive they are. Yeah. Buying the full kits of the guitar, the microphone and the drums, I think is something four or $500 now. That is what people are selling them for. Yeah. It's pretty ridiculous. So who knew that your plastic guitar instruments were going to be the baseball cards of, you know, the 1920s and 1930s. (laughs) Now that is plastic instruments from games gone by. I I beat myself up a little bit because I realized when I had sold my previous generation stuff, I had sold all of my guitars, but then I did remember that I had them on Xbox, not on PlayStation. So they wouldn't have worked anyway because they would they went to the next gen, but same family. So then I try to be tricky and look for PlayStation three, like Guitar Hero guitars and stuff. Same situation. (laughs) I thought maybe if I didn't actually look for like the Rock Band four thing and I found some on Craigslist and stuff, but they were all, oh, we don't guarantee they're going to work. They're three hours away. You have to come pick it up. And I wasn't quite that committed to, yeah. to the cause. So, yeah, but Rock Band 4, jumping back in, it's still that game's still really fun. It's a really good time. So that's kind of all the stuff that I have been playing. Uh, but I will say I did, in an effort to meet that play three games from your black log before the end of 2019, I did doubt, download Outer Wilds. So nice. that is the next plan now that A Playtale Innocence is complete. 
Cool. All right. So that's what we have been playing, dear listener. We are going to move on and talk about a little bit of our topic of the show. And this week, you know, like I said, last week we did that, that kind of more evergreen episode where things weren't super timely, just talking about the year as a whole at this point. And this week we wanted to come back and kind of get caught up, if you would, and just talk about some of the hot things going on in gaming for the last two two weeks or so. Some of these things will be items that other folks have, talk, have talked about in depth, but there were things that were interesting to us that we wanted to kind of get our thoughts out there on, talk a little bit about, and maybe have a bit of discourse, if you would. Who knows? Or maybe we'll agree on everything. We'll have to wait and see. <laughs> So, Josh, why don't you go ahead and talk about maybe some pretty important awards that were announced recently? Oh, it would be my honor. <laughs> the Spiel de Jaris 2019 winners were announced on July 22nd. Uh, this comes to us from the thedicetowernews.com. Uh, so, the winners of the 2019 Spiel de Jaris are, well... We'll start with the game of the year. It mm-hmm. goes to <laughs> Josh. Best game of the year <laughs> goes to just one from Re- Repost Games. <clears throat> and hey, I'll give it another shot. <laughs> is there? Is there? Okay. Before you play, what was the timing of just one winning the spiel? And you playing it. Did you play it before it won? Yes. In your mind then, since you had played it, and then you found out it won the Spiel of the Ciaris. Yeah. What was your reaction to that? Uh, it was, oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much it. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I would have to like look at all the past Spiel of the Ciaris winners for, like, for the, uh, just to, like, I think the mind was one of them, right? Oh, man, now I'm not going to remember. I think so, yes. So I feel like that fits along with maybe the me not necessarily loving, enjoying it, but not loving it. Um, It's fine. Like, this game is probably, like, this game was the hotness forever. Every time you'd see someone on board game social media, they're playing this game and talking about how much they enjoy the game. Like, I get it. Uh, It just didn't hit for me like it hit for a lot of people. I thought it was fine. I also think that the group of people I was playing with, you know, they didn't necessarily have this, like, want to keep playing. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows what, like, it just maybe just wasn't the right scenario, the situation. So, as a brief recap, uh, just one, obviously, won this year. 2018, yeah. Azul won. The Mind was nominated, but did not win. Uh, okay. So, so, Azul won in 2018. 2017 was King Domino. 2016 was Code Names. 2015 was Cult Express. 2014 was Camel Up. 2013 was Hanabi. 2012 was Kingdom Builder. Just, you know, as some examples. Yeah, I guess. Well, so the other two nominated games were Werewords and Llama. Yeah. I played Werewords. I liked it better than just one. Okay. (laughs) Um, But my wife didn't like Werewords. So that just wasn't her style of game. So this just might not be... For like for me, I'll give it another shot with like my gaming people. Okay, let's see if they like it, and maybe maybe it'll be a hit. Um, it could just be the people we played with, but for me, it's not something that I'm going to tell people to run out and get. Understandable, understandable. We can't like them all, but 
when you look at that other list of games, those all seem pretty strong. So it's just surprising that just one yeah. fell so flat for you. But hey, not every game's for everyone. So that's right. Just one game isn't. <laughs> that was a lazy one too. That was a that was a that was a dad joke if I've heard one. Nicely done. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> transitioning away from that, <laughs> uh, the Kinderspiel de Jaris, the children's game of the year, was uh, awarded to, well, Valley of the Vikings, uh, also known as Marie. Oh, wait, sorry, not also known as by Marie and Wilfred Fort. Wilfried Fort. Uh, it's a Hapa game, uh, which they typically do very well during uh, in the de Jaris categories especially for children's games. I am not familiar with this game. Um, it was nominated against Go, Get, Go, Go and Fabulantica. Um, but I'll check it out. I believe this has a dexterity aspect to it. Um, if, I've, if I'm thinking of the right game, uh, which makes it a little bit more unique because it also incorporates a regular board as well. So um, I would be interested in maybe getting a play of it, but because it's a kid's game, I will most likely not buy it. Uh, as Was this on your radar at all? I know we talked about the nominees before, but... Well, and the, I think we even talked about the Kinderspiel before, because I think they award mm. that even maybe a month ago. They, they announced the winner for that. So, right, you know, Haba, always one of those designers that or publishers that I see their bright yellow boxes and I say, hey, they make good games. For people who have kids. Yeah, exactly. And it might be more than that. But in general, that's kind of how I think of them. So I'm sure it's probably great because in general, they make pretty solid games. So congrats to Haba for publishing another winner. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay. And then the last award goes is the Kenner Spiel de Jars, which is the connoisseur or uh, enthusiast game of the year. Um, and I don't know that this is a surprise, but it's it's fantastic for Elizabeth Hargrave, uh, who wins for Wingspan, uh, which was up against Carpe Diem and Detective, a modern board game. Um, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Hargrave, uh, a potential future guest, uh, where I've reached out to, who <clears throat> was interested in joining us at some point, but her year probably just got even crazier now, so who knows what will happen. Um, but yeah, uh, I think it's well-deserved, and uh, like I said, well, not surprising to me. Definitely uh, exciting for Stonemaier Games and Elizabeth Hargrave. Yeah, absolutely. And a couple solid games was up against. And, and indeed, another Steffenfeld game like mm-hmm. I talked about earlier. But yeah, very solid win for them. I don't think, kind of like you were saying, totally unexpected. But awesome to see her giving, getting the success that she is. And now I'm very excited, even more excited for uh, Tussie Mussy once we get that yep. in. Which should only be a couple of months now. Yes. Like September, October, something like that. I think so. So, yeah. Cool. That is the Spiel de Jaris winners. Very cool. Hey, Josh. Hi. <laughs> there is this small, really niche indie board game company. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. Um, they used to go by Cool Mini or Not. Mm. Um, they then, you know, kind of went by Simon for a while and now, you know, they're, they're come on. They, uh, yeah, they, uh, (laughs) they announced the thing. They did. They announced the thing. So cool mini or not in cooperation with explored is making a board game console question mark. (laughs) Yeah. 
Tell us all about this, sir. Oh, boy. Well, it's called Taburu. Uh, it is a physical and a digital board game uh, console, if you will. <laughs> um, yeah, let's go. Let's get into it. Uh, via Dice Tower News, we have uh, Taburu. It's a uh, translation uh, Japanese for table. <clears throat> Taburu is truly a multi-sensory system for tabletop board games, while one which... Uh, quote, seamlessly integrates in the physical and digital worlds, end quote. Uh, games will be orchestrated from a central tablet or PC running a Game Master app, with Taboo handling all the com- uh, communication between consoles, players, and pieces. Uh, I don't know. So there's a video out there, people. I encourage you to check it out. Yes. Uh, you can go to YouTube, just look up Taboo, or even Seamon, uh, and it'll it should pop up. Um, something that really... Uh, got my attention and worry at the same time was they show these dice that have microchips in them. Yeah. And I was just like, I wonder how much those dice cost and what happens when you lose them or they break? <laughs> Can your dice break? They still function as a roll, but maybe the game doesn't, the microchip breaks because it can't handle like the shock of it hitting the table multiple times. Right. How much am I paying to replace my digital dice? <laughs> like, right. So, from what I understand from watching the video is that the there is a foam pad, if you would, on the table, and in that is a is a sensor pad as well. And then you put the board on it, and then yeah. all of the pieces have RFID chips in them. And yeah. the dice, like you were talking about, have RFID chips in them. So when you move the places the player the pieces on the board or you roll the dice, the tablet app is able to keep track of all the information that all the things are happening on the table. Yep. So it does this work? This is what I'm trying to understand because they made it sound like theoretically it could work for almost any game as long as the app and all that stuff was built out. Yeah. But do the RFID dice and the RFID pieces, are these bases you can just slide any piece into or does the game itself have to come with all of that stuff in the box? So you'd get a, buy a game and it would be quote unquote uh taburu ready or taburu compatible when you buy the game you know what i'm saying yeah Yeah. no i do know what you're saying and it scares me from the cost point of it uh yeah uh it's not super clear uh it's uh so what they show in the video it's very interesting like everyone has their cell phone that works as like their player board uh the game interacts with uh, this tablet screen, you get full motion video if people put it into the game. Um, you know, as you roll your dice, it shows up digitally. It seems, all of it seems so very cool. I just don't know that it's practical in the board game landscape. It's going to Kickstarter. That's practical. In fact, it's probably the only place it could work. Um, but how many times are you going to want to spend $200 on a new Taburu game? Well, and it doesn't have to be crowdfunded every time they want to put out a new game. <laughs> right. Because it seems so. The first game that will be compatible is Zombicide Evolution Las Vegas. Yes. So that will be the first game for Taburu. So it sounds like the games have to be made Taburu ready yeah. or Taburu compatible, if you would. Yes. So, so you. It's like Vorpal Board, right? So we did, we interviewed Vorpal Board, and and basically, instead of us doing all of the 
um, to scanning in and adding in mm-hmm. ourselves, a company is going to do it and charge us for it. <laughs> right. So here's my question, though. Can you play Zombicide Evolution Las Vegas without Taburu? Yes? That's that's a great question. We'll find out at the Kickstarter because I don't know... I don't know that it would be cost effective for them to make two different versions of the game. Right. So I'm wondering if maybe the Taboo, if you use Taboo when you play it, it just adds a little something extra. They have, like you talked about, the animated cutscenes. They have the extra little bells and whistles, if you would, to to hopefully make that experience worth it. Uh, what do you think this is going to cost? What is it going to be on Kickstarter? <laughs> I don't know the way Kickstarter runs and CMON games running on Kickstarter anywhere between two to four hundred dollars. <laughs> I yeah, I'm really curious as to where I can't even guess to as to how much this is going to be. Yeah, I, I'm I'm very interested to see what is there. A, what would the price have to be for you to jump in on it? I wouldn't go over one fifty. I probably wouldn't myself pay a hundred dollars. Like if you look at games like the Lord of the Rings game, that's right. 80 to 100 bucks, depending on where you look, which uses app integration. My biggest worry, which I think I share with this with a lot of board gamers, is this is eliminating the the longevity of a board game. Yeah. Uh, So, like, you go buy the Lord of the Rings game that only works with an app. Apps aren't going to be around forever. Right. In fact, a lot of app support is disappearing in games. It's true. so you're losing the uh, ability to ever play this game when the technology is either outdated or your phone doesn't support that volume or version of that app anymore and they haven't updated the app. So um, this is a little different than like backing Dyes, where Dyes is an app that gives you board game rules. This is uh, mm-hmm. backing a board game that completely relies on an app. So I wouldn't want to spend more than I would imagine the value of like five plays of a game is so like when i buy when i spend like a hundred bucks on a game on kickstarter i plan on playing it more than once right i have i have unlimited time to do that on this game i i don't know that i have unlimited time to do that right yeah it's it's interesting it's going to be at gen con so folks will be able to check it out there and I just had right now I have more questions than answers about it. And I'm sure obviously all of the answers to those questions will come eventually. Mm-hmm. I was surprised when looking at the comments about this on social media, because I look at this and my initial reaction was, this is really cool. Yeah. My second reaction is I'm probably never going to buy this right. because it's probably going <laughs> to be way more money than I would want to pay. And in general, I don't own a lot of CMON games. I just, I I don't think they're bad by any means. I just don't have very many. Yeah. And, but I was surprised at the number of reactions that were pretty negative about it. Sure. And that kind of surprised me because I feel that in general, Kaman has a very positive, very supportive, very, uh, a community that goes to bat for them. Their games are very successful on Kickstarter I really thought that the general consensus would be, this looks really cool. I'm excited to find out more. And there were definitely some of those. But there were many more of, oh, gosh, I don't like the direction this is taking board games. Oh, goodness. I don't know. I can never imagine paying for this. 
oh goodness, what's wrong with just playing a board game on a board? A lot of that kind of get off yeah. my lawn mentality, yep. you know? Yep. So I'll be very interested. I, I think it's very cool. I think it's super cool. Yeah. I don't know if it is a thing I will ever uh, purchase, but I am definitely, definitely, definitely going to keep an eye on it. That's for sure. Yes, it's definitely interesting. Um, we're just seeing the same thing that we're, we're seeing in video games where people don't want to to leave analog and go all digital. This is right. the same the same thing just happening in board games. Yeah, in a bit of a different way. All right, so we're going to move on. We're going to talk a little bit here about some video game things that I thought were a little bit interesting here. So, Josh, when I say Gears of War, yes. What do you what are the first things that come to mind when you hear Gears of War? Well, the first thing I think of, because it's topical, is I am bummed I missed out on my test this weekend, this past weekend. Even though I downloaded it, I just never found the time to play it. When I turned it on, <laughs> my wait time was four hours. So I said, I will wait <laughs> until the game comes out. Thank okay. you very much. <laughs> so that was my experience. I started it and said, ah, I'm good. Anyway, what else comes to mind then when you think of Gears of War? Uh, people who are too big for what a person should look like. <laughs> okay, I can definitely see that. They are definitely bulky humans. For me, the first thing I think about is cutting things with a chainsaw gun. In half, yes. In half. That's the first thing that comes to mind for me. When I think of Gears, I think of chainsaw gunning people. Hmm. Okay. Well, apparently some people, the first thing they think about is smoking. <laughs> like they need a smoke <laughs> <laughs> potentially so it was announced and i don't i guess announced maybe isn't the best way to talk about revealed however you want to look at it that gears 5 uh will be a smoke-free establishment or a smoke-free game if you would and apparently gears 4 was as well which i never noticed because I nobody never, noticed <laughs> yeah but nobody i don't think anybody noticed so uh in a story on variety uh, Rod Ferguson from the coalition said, quote, I've seen firsthand the devastating impact of smoking. It ha it's always been important for me to not use smoking as a narrative device, which is why we made the conscious choice to avoid highlighting or glorifying smoking in Gears 5 and throughout the Gears of War universe moving forward. According to a rep for Xbox, oh, end quote, according to a rep for Xbox Game Studio, the decision was done solely by the coalition. So the story goes on and it's actually a really interesting story to go read on variety because it talks about a lot of different angles about this situation now obviously when this came out there were a significant number of people who jumped to the idea of censorship because apparently when studios make artistic decisions or health decisions in this situation on their own accord that's censorship of some sort um, but when you heard this, I don't know if you read this news or heard this news before we said we were going to talk about it. What are your, what are your thoughts? What comes to mind right away when you think Gears of War, they, they don't, or just Gears, I guess, is officially known now. No smoking in Gears. <clears throat> Good for them. It's, uh, I think it means that they, they, well, whether it was now or earlier, they, they realize they have some sort of effect on kids playing video games and, um forever since i was a kid uh smoking is always used as a device to um show off someone's attractiveness or that they're cool or they're bad uh um 
whether you're like the hero of said story or whatever, whatever you want to consider them. Like it was always used that way. And, and I know we're in this realm of <clears throat> violent video games as well. Mm-hmm. So people are going to use that as a uh, defense against that. But just because your game isn't toning down violence and is eliminating cigarette smoke doesn't mean that because your game is violent, it has to have people smoking. Like it doesn't, they don't just like, you don't have to throw all the bad things into one. Mm -hmm. So like, it's good. Good for them. Smoke free. Eliminate that potential. Is it alcohol free? I don't know. Maybe they'll announce that next, but um, that would be another step to take. Removing alcohol from video games as well. So here's my next. Should this should this even be a story? No, it shouldn't be a story. So unless, unless so they want a pat on the back. Uh, I didn't hear anyone crying about smoking in the game, mm-hmm. um, and I don't say crying as a demeaning term. I just mean that there wasn't a vocal um, aspect to criticism of the game on the internet that I saw. Right. So. Um, I mean, it can be a story for press before the game comes out. That's fine. Like, it doesn't bother me. But I don't know that, like, me seeing this, it didn't register on my radar at all. I was like, okay, next story. Like, it's not important to me. Right. Um, but I'm an adult at this point. True. I'm not going to play a game and start smoking because Marcus Phoenix is smoking. Are you going to start chainsawing people with a chainsaw gun? (laughs) No, but probably only because chainsaw guns aren't available to me. Well, not yet. We'll see. <laughs> not yet. We have time. The future is young. Um, if I could go to the convenience store and buy a chance, I got Who knows what I would do? <laughs> it's true. So I just found this a fascinating story because I don't, I don't know why necessarily some big announcement had to be made about this. When you think back of all of your history of playing video games, yeah, how many, how many times can you think of smoking occurring in a game? There's a few that stick out, like Metal Gear, Conquer. Um, there's like certain games that I definitely think of, but it's not obviously in the scope of how many games I've played. It's less than 0.01%. Right, because I think of Metal Gear, which yeah. kind of had the, you know, smoking so you could see um, the, yeah. the traps and things like that. Uh, and I think of the, the Elusive Man. Like, oh, sure. Those are basically the two that I can that come to mind when I think about it. Yeah. I'm sure there are probably more than that. But when I think about it, those are the only two. Oh, and I guess probably Sully in Uncharted, now yeah. that I think about it, too. With the cigars, yeah. Yep. So <clears throat> that's about, about it. It's just not a thing that I, I think of. Or actually, interestingly enough, now that I say this, um, and I think this is obviously in, in stark contrast to Gears, but I'm playing Judgment still on PS4. I took a small break in order to finish up in a uh, Plague Tale Innocence. But in it, when you go to the convenience store, you can buy cigarettes. And then <laughs> there are basically mission. I don't want to say missions, but you can like go to smoking lounges or, or get, have a smoke outside to over to listen in on people having conversations to get information. So it's actually a mechanic in the game and you have to go buy cigarettes to ensure that you have them. So when those opportunities happen, you can take a smoke (laughs) break and have. So I guess it still is relevant in some current games, but obviously maybe culturally that one might be a touch different. Uh, But who am I to say? I don't know that for certain, Um, but that is definitely there is a 
lot of smoking and judgment a lot. So, so yeah, interesting though, because if you read the story in variety about it too, there's a big focus on esports. Yeah, and they really wanted to remove it just because with the prevalence of esports and how many people watch esports, uh, they felt it best to you know not have uh, their their game depicted that way in, in a setting of of high skilled character people trying to roll roll shotgun roll roll shotgun. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's the only thing I could ever do in Game Gears multiplayer. I'm sure the pros are better than that, but that's all I could ever do. So. Yeah. Anyway, interesting. I thought that was just an interesting little story. Uh, just one more thing about, you know, how video games are still, there's still a lot of interesting things going on. And there are things that people care about that are, are very passionate about in video games are, that are things I rarely or almost never think about. Um, and I think we could go into a huge, huge conversation about, well, if we're worried about the depiction of cigarettes and smoking in games, and we say that that causes the potential for kids to smoke uh why doesn't violence in games cause the potential to kids be violent but we're not going to have that conversation today that is the thing we could potentially do on a oh, man. Day. yeah go. <laughs> i have a lot to say on that so. yeah <laughs> well we we have had pretty in-depth conversations obviously about violence in video games on this podcast yeah. before but uh yeah that might be a, a conversation for a different day so moving on from that did you hear the exciting news josh Oh, well, there's lots of exciting news out there. So I guess I would have to say, can you be more specific? So you are a Switch owner. I am a Switch owner. Yes. Now we are really lucky because we can get a Switch that's portable. How exciting is that? Mm, my Switch is portable. Wait. <laughs> I brought it to the beach. But the beach, though. <laughs> but, but there's a new Switch, the Switch Lite, that's portable. L-I-G-H-T. It's a Switch Lite. <laughs> Oh man, I was wondering if we're gonna. You're killing it with the dad jokes today. Nice work. Uh, so right. Nintendo did announce the much rumored, much availed uh, new version of the Switch, the Switch Lite, which is a more, we'll say, a little more pocket-sized, smaller version of the Switch. Doesn't have detachable Joy Cons. Doesn't have HD Rumble. Has an actual D-pad. Uh, doesn't hook up to a TV, so there's no out on it for or no video out on it at all. Uh, and it's a hundred dollars cheaper. So That's this is tiny. What's that? It's also tiny. It's yeah. I mean, as a someone who's a Vita fan, I, I kind of like it. <laughs> I just thought it was really interesting because they made this big deal about it being super portable. <laughs> Switches aren't supposed to be portable. I don't understand. But yeah, Switch Lite. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? Is there a color you like of it? Are you interested <laughs> in this at all? What are your thoughts about the Switch Lite? Uh, <clears throat> I would say initially I was not a fan. Of it or the price point. Okay. Um, I'm still not a fan of the price point for the size and the really? lack of options. However, I do realize, I do recognize it is a big price difference from the Switch. Like, I get that. It is $100 less. Yep. Yes, and that's a big deal. Um, I just figured to be competitive with the 3DS kind of going bye-bye, that mm-hmm. it could have come out at 150 uh, but it's Nintendo. They, everything is always probably $50 more than I think they should be charging for it. Right. <laughs> um, I think this is something, the more I look at it, is something I might look into getting for my wife. Okay. Um, I would need to look more into how it works with my current like setup. Like, Can she play? Like, How, how is the game? How the game integration works? Can she even play games? that we own to shit to buy all new games. Right. I haven't really looked too much into it um, just because I just 
wasn't that interested. Um, I didn't they, realize how small it was either. That makes me, I think, more interested. Yeah, and they said, and maybe more has happened since then, but when it was announced, they talked about game migration and all of that good stuff that they would announce and talk about at a later date about how all of that would work. Uh, as a person who is a fan of the Vita, this actually, part of me now wishes I had never purchased the Switch until now so I could just get <laughs> this one. Um, yeah. Because I love the fact that it has an actual D-pad on it now. Yeah, me too. That's nice. So I'm a fan that has an actual D-pad. The and fact it gets that you rid can... of that stupid rumble. Yeah, it gets rid of the rumble, which I shut <laughs> off in everything immediately. It is, you know, like you said, I play 98% handheld as is right now. So not having the ability to hook up to the television is fine. I have, I don't, yeah, I'm totally fine with that. I don't need to hook it up to the TV. So this is the thing that, yeah, I'm kind of bummed that I have my regular Switch but I'm also not going to get rid of my regular Switch just to buy this. Because like you said, I don't know exactly how you know switching games from my current Switch to this one would work. I do like the fact that there's fun, cool colors and all that good stuff. Uh, I do like the fact that the battery life is a little bit longer, though now they announced also the rework of the current Switch that has even a better battery life than this one. So there you go, I guess. Um, yeah, so... Not surprising that they announced it. I think it is a cool little gadget. I do think that this is the time for, you know, we've seen the 3DS is pretty much sunsetted at this point. So this is trying, I think, to get in uh, and get the switch into the hands of every family member in a family to kind of get that taken care of. So, yeah, it's a cool thing. I know some people really hate it, but I really like the yellow. I like the yellow color. I think it's cool. If I got one, I would definitely get the yellow. Um, but yeah, so that's that's my thoughts on Switch Lite. Anything else you'd like to add about it uh, to the new portable Switch, which we've never had before? <laughs> I just, a lot of it is appealing to me, but at the same time, like they're like, oh, you can play Breath of the Wild for just an hour longer. Right. Um, you can play every game, but uh, if the game requires motion you need to pair joy cons to it so you're right. still adding the problem of needing joy cons just don't play those games it's fine it just seems like a little rushed like like they couldn't have made this uh more whole like uh, like i don't know like these limitations that it has i know what the point of it is like to be portable er yeah <laughs> and light er um, but I'm like for me, I play in dock mode a lot, and right. this thing just it just literally wouldn't work for me. Right, and luckily they have the regular switch that does work for you. That's right, it doesn't. Not everything needs to be for me. Right, I do think though this is very. I, this is Nintendo being Nintendo, right? They had mm -hmm. the, yes, they had the 3ds. The whole point of it was that it's 3D until they released a system that didn't have 3D. Didn't you know, 3D, right. so it's not surprising at all that they would release a switch that doesn't switch. So yeah. Yep. Not surprising. But like I said, I think it's cool. I would definitely consider getting one if I did not already have one, but maybe down the line at some point I would swap mine to get one of these instead. So, all right. And it looks like one more little story we want to talk about. Uh, Restoration games. Josh is doing a little more interesting stuff with unmatched. Eh? Yes, indeed. They certainly are. Uh, first of all, I reached out to Restoration Games and one of the designers yesterday because they released the price of the Bruce Lee expansion to Unmatched that is premiering at Gen Con. 
and it was only 15 bucks. And I was mm. really bummed because I thought it was a Gen Con exclusive and it kind of is. Um, but they did reply that shortly after Gen Con, it will appear on Mondo's website for a purchase. So oh, okay. I'm very excited to be able to get the a very cool looking Bruce Lee set. Well, if you want, you can have Bruce Lee fight Raptors now because <laughs> Unmatched is releasing the InGen versus Raptors Jurassic Park set, which is awesome. Yeah, and, I think Unmatched might become the best game ever. <laughs> yeah. So Rob Davio, when he was on our show a couple of weeks ago or a week ago, and who knows what time is anymore, uh, said that they had some things that they couldn't release, release on um, for Unmatched, but they got some cool licenses. He did mention Buffy. Uh, so you could have Buffy fight Raptors in the future mm-hmm. as well, or Buffy fight Bruce Lee, <laughs> or Injun fight Buffy. Uh, there's a lot of cool options. Um, so, yeah, I just think uh, this is super cool, and it's releasing late this year. Um, it will be uh, the first two-player set released. Uh, which is awesome. You could also have Atlas fight T-Rex. Uh, oh, wait, sorry. You could have Atlas fight, uh, Atlas fight Raptors, but we have Sattler versus T-Rex and a solo expansion featuring Dr. Alan Grant to come out next year. Um, each character deck featured in these upcoming releases will be designed to represent the personality and characteristics of its on-screen counterpart, and no two heroes or dinosaurs will battle the same way. This is uh, via... Dice Tower News as well, to give them credit. Um, all three packs will feature illustrations from Oliver Barrett, who has done other entries in the Unmatched series. And it should be noted that these Jurassic Park unmar- unmatched entries will replace the previously announced Jurassic Park The Chaos Gene game, which we talked about uh, many moons ago. Yeah, we did. So rest in peace, Jurassic Park, the chaos gene. <laughs> yeah, which is a bummer because that game had some really awesome possibilities to be very, very cool. So, but now we know because they announced it and we didn't hear anything for a year. And now we know why. Hey, you know what? That stinks about the game, but this looks like it's going to be an awesome uh, buttload of games to add into the Unmatched series. Oh, I agree. And if you told me, hey, we have to sacrifice this other game so you can have Raptors fight Bruce Lee. I would. I'll, I, <laughs> yep, sounds good. Bigfoot <laughs> fighting a raptor. <laughs> right, totally down. Totally down. <laughs> All right, so be on the lookout for that. Unmatched is shaping up to be quite the enjoyable experience, I think. All right, we do have some amazing questions from our dear, dear listeners. Josh, you want to take us through those? I don't know that they're amazing, Kyle. Our I listeners think- are amazing. Yeah, but I mean. Okay, I guess they're amazing questions. Uh, let's start with Paul Calico at pcalico84 on Twitter. Uh, he says, thoughts and feelings on Will You Be My Neighbor? And that is the movie trailer uh, for Will You Be My Neighbor, uh, starring Tom Hanks as Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers himself, dropped uh, a couple days ago or yesterday, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, I still haven't seen the documentary yet, which I need to watch. Very I mean, good. I, I grew up on um, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, so uh, I really want to see it. I watched a trailer twice today because I didn't love it the first time I watched it. Um, I watched it on my phone at work. And then I came back home and watched it on the big TV, and I would say I got I felt more emotional about it. I, maybe I could just connect to it better. Um, 
yeah, I don't know. I thought it was fine. Like, we'll see where the movie goes, but I think I want to watch the documentary first um, before I jump into into this. Just because I, well, people say they have fond memories of the show. I really do. So I didn't like Tom Hanks. I'm sure is going to do a great job, but I just didn't attach to him as Mister Rogers because because I know he isn't. So he couldn't really for me. He didn't really like become that character. So I was right. a little detached from that. What about you? Yeah. So this, I, you know, I don't know that I shed a tear necessarily like others do did, but I was very impressed at how much I was, I don't want to say questioning because I always knew it was Tom Hanks, but I felt like it was genuine. I, I felt like yeah. what he was doing what was real. And I did see the documentary. The documentary is excellent. It's very, very good. But, yeah, this so this will definitely be a movie I'll see at some point. I definitely watched some Mr. Rogers as a kid, not a ton of Mr. Rogers as a kid. But I think that Mr. Rogers is the kind of person who we rarely hear about anymore in this day and age of our how our pop culture and things like that work. People who act like and behave like Fred Rogers are not people who we elevate very often anymore. So I, I think seeing another depiction of him and, and bringing it to an audience who maybe isn't into documentaries, so wouldn't watch that documentary, uh, is a good thing. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. I don't know that I'll go see it in theaters, but it is a movie I will definitely sit down and watch at some point. Uh, hmm. Before we move on to our next question there, Josh, uh, obviously this was kind of all tied into everything happening with San Diego Comic-Con whole bunch of trailers came out. A whole bunch of things happened as far as Marvel talking about their Phase 4 plans. Uh, we got a ton of other cool stuff. Did you have one or two favorite things from San Diego Comic-Con? There was a lot of good stuff that came out of it. Um, I was talking about it today. Nothing. I don't I don't know that nothing stuck with me. Nothing. I don't think that anything stuck with me um, more than, like, probably the Top Gun trailer. Mm-hmm. Um Everything was kind of like I was on vacation. Everything kind of right. blended in. Uh, the it two, the it second trailer for it uh, was very good. Yeah, um, I'm excited for the boys starting this Friday on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. Since I read the comic, um, and they just released their final trailer. Um, and yeah, the 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 Marvel stuff was interesting because I didn't really know. A lot. I knew the shows they were announcing, but right. um, I didn't really know a lot of the announcements that they were making. Mm-hmm. So that was nice to see uh, having some surprises. Um, uh, I, I love the Taika Waititi's back for Thor. Yeah, um, I do, I don't like Natalie Portman as Jane, so that's going to be a real bummer to see her become the next Thor because it means she'll be sticking around. She just, I don't know, for whatever reason, uh, she's she's made some comments on her character and not wanting to return to mm-hmm. the films. And and uh, that's just kind of put a damper on the right. mood for me. Um, so maybe they can turn it around. I, I, you know, I have faith that Taiko can do that. Um, I'm excited that Doctor Strange is going to have a, a genuine horror film sequel. I'm excited to see Kumail Nanjiani joining the cast of the Eternals and them landing Salma Hayek and Angelina Jolie mm-hmm. into the MCU, which is awesome. I'm just excited that Eternals is going to get its own thing. Right. And it's going to be, people aren't going to know what to expect because it's so different from Marvel. Right. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, the Marvel stuff is exciting to me too. What about you? What, what caught your attention? Yeah, I mean, obviously the Marvel stuff is very cool. I'll be very interested to see as they continue to push. And granted, I guess it worked with Guardians and Doctor Strange to a degree. As they continue to push outside of the quote-unquote mainstream. And they start going with more niche and more niche uh, heroes and IP for their big films. Is Are we still going to see the same number of people coming to the theater to see them. I hope so, because these are things I'm actually far more interested in than I was maybe in the other ones. I enjoyed the other movies, obviously, but I'm really interested to see to, because like you said, these are characters I know a ton about. So I'm very interested yeah. just like guardians surprised me a lot. And I didn't know a lot about guardians of the galaxy. I'm very interested in getting introduced to and, and understanding and learning who all these characters are and what they might bring to the table. So that was cool. But for me, and I must, I always have really torn feelings about this. I am, such a sucker for Tom Cruise movies. And I don't know why. <laughs> I just am. He's and he is so good. I I really, I want to not like him, but I can't. I can't quit him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'm really, that Top Gun, I haven't watched the original Top Gun in forever. Probably a decade. Yeah. And now I really want to go back and watch that. I want to see this movie. Just how they. Oh, and Dan Silent Bob reboot trailer. I almost forgot. Yeah, that was that. good too. But how they redid the score mm-hmm. during that trailer was so good. Yep. Oh, anyway. So San Diego Comic-Con. They did some cool stuff. I was pretty stoked. Okay. Next question, sir. What else do we got? We have Splig at Dopalicious. He tweets at us, uh, what's GenCant and how how do I get involved? I've heard at 425 Suzanne, which is Suzanne from the Dice Tower, mm-hmm. uh, mention it before. Sounds fun since I definitely can't make it. Well. I will tell you, GenCant is something you can can uh, find them on Twitter. Yep. Make sure you follow them. Uh, they're probably also on Facebook uh, or, or Instagram. Um, you can participate by just signing up. They do some things um, with local stores. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, you can just enter contests. Last year, I won Grim Forest through GenCant. Mm-hmm. So a lot. A lot of board game companies donate a lot of games to GenCant. And basically, they know that people want to get involved with board games. And I don't know what they're doing this year. I haven't seen any uh, announcements from them yet. But um, they typically do a lot of giveaways. So look up GenCant on Twitter. Yeah. They, and they do have a website as well, which is just GenCant.com. Um, and yeah, it they... It's August 1st to the 4th. You pretty much participate on social media, but they will post then how you can enter to win prizes. There are definitely events at local stores and things like that. So you, I don't know if the list is up to date on the website for 2019 or not. But yeah, some local stores participate. And it's just an opportunity for you to still play games and interact with people who wish they could be at the convention but can't be there um so just play some games i think you can print your own name badge if you want to for gen can't there's a website that you, you can do that so it's just like kind of a fun little way to be able to be part of a community who can't be part of the really cool thing you want to be a part of so you get to be part of this other cool thing that you can be a part of so it's fun i think it's a cool thing that they started doing uh, but yeah definitely just at gen can't on twitter and you'll be able to get most of your news and everything you need to right from there um but Participating really is just easily as following and interacting with them on social media and playing some games. And that's about all you got to do. So it is a good time. 
Yes. Awesome. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up this week. As always, we are a gaming podcast, but we do want to leave you with one other recommendation, suggestion, or thing we are currently into that's helping us live a well-rounded life. Josh, what is that recommendation you have for our dear listeners? So I am recommending a movie on Netflix. It's called I Am Mother. And you may have seen the trailers. You may not have. As a science fiction, well, it's a science fiction movie. <laughs> it is, uh, well, I don't want to spoil too much. It is essentially a movie uh, about a robot voiced by Rose Byrne, who does a very good job, who is tasked with raising a human embryo to, I'm guessing, an adult. That. Uh, it has Hilary Swank is also in it, uh, but the star of the movie, uh, whose name is Daughter, uh, is Claire Rugard. Uh, I had never heard of her before. Looking her up today, um, she hasn't done too much, uh, but she did play Juliet Capulet in that uh, ABC canceled, still star-crossed Romeo and Juliet show that my wife watched briefly. Um, she's great in it. She's uh very she's a great actress um the story is engaging i really i'm not gonna tell you like it's gonna um be the next like ex machina um but it definitely has like some roots in that and it takes a little bit from ex machina it takes a little bit from terminator it takes a little bit from um the denzel washington one book of eli like like movies like that where there's definitely this and even a little bit of like 10 cloverfield lane mm -hmm. it borrows a little bit from these tropes and um it just does such a great job in it uh, of uh, telling this story asking some hard questions and, and and kind of makes you think what would happen if you were in that situation or, or like i didn't have a hard time imagining this situation happening Mm -hmm. I really don't want to spoil any of it because I went in not really knowing anything about the movie. Um, and I, I was pleasantly surprised. So if you like sci-fi um, and good acting and very um, uh, good visuals, uh, check it out. I am mother on Netflix. Very cool. I actually added it to my list while you were talking about it because nice. it was a 92% match. Wow. Though I don't think it had ever shown up on any of my <laughs> things ever. So that's cool. Way, to, <laughs> way to promote your own material. Netflix. Nice job. Because um, it is a Netflix original, right? Yes, it is. So, all right. Uh, my recommendation, also a Netflix original. And this is something I think that is a little outside of my usual things that I recommend to a degree. It's definitely still like a docu-series, hmm. uh, but it's about sports. And that is Last Chance You Season 4 just came out last Friday from when we were recording this. Uh, eight episodes, about an hour each. I've already watched all eight <laughs> because I don't know what it is about this show, but this show just imprints on me. Maybe it's because I work at a community college and the show is about, if you're not familiar with it, Last Chance You follows uh, this season, the last two seasons, uh, the football team at Independence Community College in Independence, Kansas, and kind of what what their football team is made of, essentially, are what they call bounce backs. And they are players who had D1 scholarships who either academically didn't quite cut it, maybe did some things off campus or in their personal lives that got them in a little bit of trouble. So they are leaving Division One football for a brief period, have to go play in junior college or play some juco ball, 
and efforts and hopes to get a scholarship back to Division One. Now, that's not their entire team, that, but that is a significant portion of why people go there is that they're attempting to get their scholarships back or earn a scholarship for the first time to the Division One football. And it follows these teams and the players on the teams and kind of takes you through their lives and what it's like to be them. Now, I 100% fully recognize that any series like this is not going to show necessarily all sides of every story. Right. Totally get it. The thing about this show that I, I – the thing that gets me all the time, and my partner works in higher ed. I work in higher ed. The way most – not most. The way especially the head coach act, and that's this is true. They followed a different school for the first two seasons, and then season three and four are, are independents. The way the coaches act, if I ever acted the way that they do or treated <laughs> any student that I interact with the way that they do, I would be fired in a heartbeat. <laughs> Faster than the interaction could finish, I would be fired. It wouldn't even be a question. I would be done. I would be out. I would probably not even get to pack my desk. I would just be gone. So watching this and seeing how the coaches try to interact with and motivate players, the commitment the players have in the classroom, but then also looking at because they typically travel back to the hometowns of the players that they're focusing a lot on because you know, this school, their roster is almost 200 deep. So they obviously can't focus on every on every person. But traveling back to the hometowns of some of these players and seeing what they went through to even get to the point that they were, um, hearing about the struggles they maybe had when they went to a Division One school and why they're now in Independence, Kansas, which they everyone multi- mentions multiple times, nobody is there because they want to be. <laughs> they're there because this is a, a means to an end. You know, so it's a really fascinating show. If you are into sports or athletics at all, I think it's a wa- uh, an important thing to watch. If you are into or have any thoughts about higher education anyway and athletics and higher education, keeping in mind this is NAIA, not NCAA, because it's uh, junior college. Um, I think it's definitely worth a watch. This show, I don't know what it is. It just gets a little it just I can't stop watching it once it starts, and I spend stay up way, way, way too late to watch it. So that's Last Chance You, season four. It is on Netflix. Highly recommend. I recommend all four seasons. So if you've never watched any of it, I recommend starting at the beginning. But if you have watched them, go ahead and get caught up because it's great. Such an interesting show. <laughs> all right. So with that, Josh, what do you say we wrap this show up? Let's do it. Thanks for joining us, everyone. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board with Fiji, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Board with Fiji. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. Also, if you want to communicate in the more long form or you're not feeling social media, uh, please feel free to send us an email at boardwithvgi at gmail.com. We tag our stuff with hashtag Board with Fiji, so please use that hashtag as well. Let us know what you're playing, what you're up to. We check that hashtag quite frequently. Whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. That is whether you're downloading us from the PSVG feed, the Dice Tower Network feed, or our very own standalone board with video games feed. Uh, I forgot to write down my switch code. I was trying to look it up while you were talking about Last Chance You. You can't just look it up online. I guess I need to be on my Switch. So I will tweet out my friend code so we can play Marvel Ultimate Alliance at some point. So check our Twitter. Feel free to add me. 
uh, so we can play some Marvel if you have it. Uh, or if you just want to gift me Switch games, you can do that too. Uh, you can find me on Xbox Live or PlayStation Network at Why So Serious. That's S-I-R-R-I-U-S. Kyle, where can people find you? So you can find me at all of the usual places, Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at Psychocross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. Never fear, dear listener, Metafall is right around the corner. We'll be recording our prediction episode sometime probably in the next two weeks or so. We have a, kind of like Josh alluded to, we have a few guests that we're trying to kind of line up and figure out here. But once we get all that hashed out, we will be recording our Metafall episode as well as announcing all of the games dates all that good stuff so be on the lookout for that very short order as always if you have suggestions for future topics be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about and remember everyone whether it be board games or video games never stop gaming